Chapter 19 of Autumn Leaves. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Autumn Leaves, edited by Anna Wales Abbott. The Old Church. There are certain old-fashioned people who find fault with the luxuriousness of our churches and ascribe to the warmth and comfort, which contrast so strongly with the hardships of early times, the acknowledged sleepiness of modern congregations. For my part, I see no necessary connection between discomfort and devotion. My soul, at least, sympathizes so much with its physical adjunct that, when the latter is uncomfortable, the former is never quite free and active. Let me call to remembrance the church my childhood knew, with its capacious square pews, in which half the audience turned their backs upon the minister. The seats made to rise and fall for the convenience of standing, and which closed every prayer with a clap of thunder, its many aisles like streets and lanes, the old men's seats, and the queer but venerable figures that were seen in them, some with black silk caps to protect their bald heads from the freezing draughts of air from the porchless doors, the old women's seats on the opposite side, the elevated rows of pews round the sides of the church, and the envied position of certain little children who had an extensive prospect through the open pew-top within doors, and a view of the hay-scales and the town pump through the window besides. Those windows, in a double row with the gallery between, how regularly I counted the small panes, always forgetting the number, to make the same weary task necessary every Sunday. The singing-seats, projecting from the central portion of the gallery, furnished me with another hebdomadal study, in large gilt letters of antique awkwardness, which so impressed themselves on my mind that I see them now. This was the golden legend, built 1770, enlarged 1795. I remember hearing a wag propose to add as another remarkable fact, scoured 1818. Opposite to the singing seats towered the pulpit, from which the clergyman looked down upon us like a sparrow upon the housetop. He seemed in perpetual danger of being extinguished by a huge sounding-board. Very earnestly I used to gaze at the slender point by which it hung suspended, and wished, if it must come down, that I might make the gilt ornament at the apex, resembling a vase turned upside down, my prize. Under the pulpit was a closet, which someone voraciously assured me was the place where the tithing man imprisoned incautiously playful urchins. The terrors of that dark, mysterious cell had little effect on my conduct, however, as I was not entirely convinced of the existence of any such lynx-eyed functionary. The largest church in the county, it was, however, well filled many of the congregation coming five and some even six miles and remaining there through the noon intermission which 
on their account was made as short as possible. But in winter the vast, airy space had a peculiar and searching chill. No barn could be colder, except that the numerous footstoves made some little change in the air during service. The minister stood upon a heated slab of soapstone. I used to watch this in its progress up the broad aisle and the pulpit stairs, under the arm of the boy from the parsonage, and the irreverent way in which he made his descent in view of the assembly after depositing his burden was thus rebuked by an old lady who was always droll and quaint. Why, Matthew, when you come down the pulpit stairs of a Sunday, you throw up your heels like a horse coming out of a stable door. Colder grew the church, and colder, and if people then stayed at home on Sunday afternoons, they had a better excuse for doing so than their successors can muster. The chorister even was frequently among the missing, but was charitably supposed to be subject to the ague. Efforts were made to prevail upon the elderly part of the parish to permit the introduction of stoves with long funnels. They scorned the enervating luxury. Their fathers had worshipped in the cold, and their sons might. But, ah, how degenerate were the descendants of the noble old Puritan churchgoers! The services curtailed to half their proper length, yet finding the patience of the listeners all too short. The degenerate descendants carried the day, however, the most bigoted of their opposers becoming disabled by rheumatism. The old sexton, resignation to inevitable evils being a lesson he had had much opportunity to learn, submitted with a good grace, though very much of the opinion that fires in a church were an absurdity and a waste. The stoves were provided and an uncommonly full attendance the next Sabbath showed the very general interest the matter had excited. How would it seem? Would any one faint? There was by no means a superabundance of heat. There was something wrong, but the lack of warmth was a hundredfold made up in smoke. No one could see across the church, and the minister loomed up as if in a dense fog. All eyes were fountains of tears. At last the old sexton went with a slow and subdued step up to the pulpit, and, wiping his eyes, respectfully inquired in a whisper whether there was not a little too much smoke. This suggestion being very smilingly assented to, he proceeded to extinguish the fires, and for that day the services were not indebted to artificial warmth to promote their effect. How sad are improvements in places to which our childish recollections cling! The gushing fullness of unchilled love is lavished even on inanimate and senseless things in a happy childhood. How was my heart grieved when the old-fashioned meeting-house was converted into the modern temple? Time and decay had rendered the tall spire unsafe, yet its fall by force and premeditated purpose seemed a sacrilege. I felt affronted for the huge weathercock, reclining sulkily against a fence, no more to point his beak to the east with obstinate preference. I mourned over the broad, old-fashioned dial on which young eyes could discern the time a mile off. 
The old sexton lived to see this change, and at the end of a half-century of care under that venerable roof he went to his rest. The beloved minister and many, many who sat with trustful and devoted hearts under his teachings are gone to their reward. Aboard from the old pulpit, a piece of the red damask curtain and the long-wished-for gold vase are now in my possession. End of The Old Church <laughs>